Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, have you heard about this wacky new POS, or not POS, but OS called uh, Android? Uh, e- yes. You have? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I know we're a couple Apple guys. But I know. We're just yeah. kidding. We, we, we all understand and know about Android. It's got a cute little, you know, whatever. <laughs> At least it had a little icon, little dude. Yeah, we're not, I promise we're not just being Apple snobs. It, you know, we're, we're Apple people, but we're not being snobs about this. My right. first smartphone was an Android, actually. Yes, yes. Uh, but, you know, Android is is a pretty popular platform. Oh, yeah. Uh, when I was doing a little bit of research for this conversation, 72% of mobile phones are powered by Android, which makes sense because no. if you're 72? not- 72? Well, if you're, an, if you're a phone maker, you don't really have too many other options if yeah, you're not Apple, point. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Android's pretty much it. You know, I mean, you know, I guess Windows might still be out there technically, but yeah, you know, mm, there's no, not a lot, yeah. too many other options. And, and then you know, and again, let's a, a, a large percentage of phones that are out there, but 77% of corporations also prefer it as well, mm. which I thought was an interesting statistic about about Android. So there you go. That's kind of going to be the basis of our topic today. We're going to talk about you know where we are with Android mm-hmm. right now. We know it's it's become this platform of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing a lot more manufacturers starting to you know. Incorporated into their devices, mm-hmm. seeing a lot more customers that are that are interested in it. But we kind of want to explore why. Yep. Uh, so we have with us on today our, our guest Niraj Pensey yep. from Elo. He's going to help one. us talk a little bit about why it's it's becoming pervasive, why it's becoming important not just for mobile devices but for fixed devices yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it may Android may have helped out during the pandemic. Uh, maybe some industries that have been a little quicker or slower than others to to migrate and why. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the security side of, of Android, Big. which yep. is important. Hey, mm-hmm. we just had a podcast about security last yep. week. We'll get, talk a little bit more about that, too. Absolutely. Uh, and then we'll also talk a little bit how Elo has found Android beneficial with their own product line. we got enough time to cover all this stuff. I, I mean, I think and, so. and we're just scraping the surface on Android, <laughs> yeah, aren't we? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah. So that's why Niraj is here. He's, he's going yes. to make it nice and succinct for there us. You, so there you go. All that, plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest today, Niraj Pense. He is the VP and Head of Product Management for ELO. Niraj, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We definitely appreciate your expertise because, like I said, we're Apple junkies, so we don't know as much about Android as we probably should, even though our business has a lot, a lot to, to do, do with, with Android. Android. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little about yourself and, you know, and what you do day-to-day at ELO. Hey, thank you, John and Dean, for having me. Um, you know, you introduced me already. I'm a product guy. So I enjoy geeking out on new technology and new products. And I have been doing this for, at ELO for about 11 years. So my team, um, the global product management team, we're responsible for our product roadmaps. A lot of uh, what we've been discussing is Android. And a lot of what ELO has been doing recently is, is around Android for business environments. And there's just so much. It is actually super, super interesting to think about different values that Android brings to the um, to the business ecosystem. And just super happy to be here and talk about uh, Android for business. Awesome. Well, hey, we, we picked the right person. There obviously. you go. Yeah. Bingo. Know stuff about it. A product guy, a guy that likes gadgets. We like product guys. Uh, exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, so... Okay, well, then let's get started here. So, you know, as I mentioned, Android has become pretty pervasive in consumer devices. Again, mm-hmm. that that seventy three percent or seventy two percent number pretty much sticks out there, and you know, and also many business mobile applications as yep. well. But we're also starting to see millions of Android devices that are now being deployed and shipped in in a fixed state. You know, not mm-hmm. just the not just a phone, not just a mobile computer, but you know, fixed devices. And obviously, that's something that you know that Elo plays a lot in. So, can you talk a lot about you know uh, why Android is is very suitable for those fixed devices? like kiosk, point of sale, displays? That is a great question. So, you know, a few years ago when businesses started using mobile devices for getting work done, um, Android was an easy choice because these Android could offer a customizable device or from a manufacturer. And there are multiple, many of them make great devices that are specific to applications with different functionality, they're not just phones, right? These are rugged um, devices. 
But at the same time, we were thinking at ELO, we were thinking, why this is interesting for just fixed compute. Three reasons, um, just to kind of boil it down quickly. One is customers, everyone, people. We're all so used to um, the experience that a mobile phone tablet provides. So it's super easy for me uh, to interact with anything on a phone or on a tablet or that kind of interface. So that gives Android a leg up. Um, the second thing is that Android devices can be cheaper. So you can actually deploy, rather than a heavy compute, you can deploy appliances and tablets in a lot more places and stretch your, uh, your, your hardware investment that way. And then the third thing is that the developer ecosystem on Android so if you are, for example, a retailer, you probably have a website, you probably have apps, you have developers that are doing those. Now, what if those same developers, the same apps could be used for, let's say on location in-store applications? You automatically have synergies related to development and consistency across these various platforms. Because at the end of the day, Every brand wants to be consistent with their customers, whether their interactions are in a store, online, on the app, et cetera. And Android just naturally enables that consistency. So I think all those things are valid for customer technology, for self-service, for point of sale, for check-in devices in hospitals, what have you, hotels. And um, it just, it's a, it's a very natural fit. What was missing was a really good, rugged product that will integrate different devices, et cetera. So now that over the last few years, manufacturers have come up with some fixed, rugged Android devices, that gap got fulfilled, and we're just seeing a huge ramp uh, in the marketplace of this technology. Yeah, and boy, he touched on quite a few things there that make Android such a unique thing. I'm going to dive a little bit more into the developer ecosystem because you're right, Niraj. And, and when we think about it, you know, solution resellers, okay, solution resellers, you have to have solutions. And so much of what the end users are looking for today, aren't. it's not just a one-trick pony as, as we've talked about. Right. It's got to be more. It's got to be, you got to have that tech stack. You got to have things that you can bolt onto it. And Android really does, ha I think, have a leg up here. When you think about the overall community and what is being developed, on the consumer side and how that can cross-pollinate over to the industrial side. There's a lot of stuff going on in all the worlds that we live in, AR and, and, and stuff like, I mean, there's, there's a lot out there that, that is being developed there. So again, when you think about that developer ecosystem, I, it, Android definitely has a leg up here. And then I like where you started off there in your edge with the, with the UI or, you know, so many users, 72% of yep. mobile phones right now use Android. I mean, that's, you're talking about a huge amount of population that is already familiar with the operating system. Mm -hmm. They already know how to navigate it. That is such a huge advantage. Yeah. Well, you know, and we had that, uh, we, we actually just hosted a webinar this week on the Omni Channel. Yes. And right. the, the whole idea of the Omni Channel is this idea of having a, a user experience that yes. is similar whether you're at home, on a mobile device, yep. on a computer, in the store. And that doesn't happen if, as to Reg's point, if if the the interface is not the same everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. If I'm used to looking at a certain thing on my phone or my tablet when I'm shopping, mm -hmm. and I go to the store and they have a screen there of some sort that I can use maybe to to look up some information mm -hmm. or log into my account or mm -hmm. get something shipped to home, and it's not the same interface at all. It's completely mm -hmm. different. That's that. That's a break in that oh, experience. You wonder if you're in the right place. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, is this the right app? Am I in the right? Like, I you, love using this at home. Why does this suck when I'm here in the store? You I know? guarantee like, you that that is, omni-channel that experience is going to drive a lot of that yeah. ad adaptation of Android for that reason alone. You know, exactly. Not just big brands, but even small to medium-sized businesses, they want that continuity. Yep. You know, they know that there's premium being put on that overall experience, and yeah, they got to be there. Right. Exactly. You know, to your point there. Every brand is trying to drive loyalty. Mm. Part of driving loyalty is app adoption. If I'm a brand, whether it's a, if I'm a, um, a re restaurant brand, retail brand, and I have an app, I want more and more of my customers to have that app on their phones. A familiar interface in a in-store interactive display or a self-order in a restaurant can drive app adoption because you can create callouts and prompts, and the interface looks exactly the same. So it drives the consistency, and I think it's a tool to drive loyalty, which is, again, another one of those, uh, one of those things that just really align with the omni-channel concept. 
So lots and lots of reasons to look at Android, even if you have not considered it in the past. But I think by now, a lot, a lot of people have, and they are trying. Um, and, and this this growth, I think, will continue for some time. Yeah, yeah. Well, then let's talk about the last you know year plus now in this pandemic, and uh, you know a lot of businesses had to shift the way they they think about their business. They had to change their practices, mm -hmm. whether it was retailers and hospitality trying to figure out how to still be able to to get their goods to customers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, figuring out different ways to keep your employees safe or working from home or whatever. Mm -hmm. How did Android power devices help during that pandemic? Are there any specific industries or anything about that versatility of Android that really made an impact? Yeah, there's there's actually a, a couple of things. So, I, I, you know, every vertical market responded differently. So we almost have to think about buy verticals. So I'll speak to a couple of verticals. So let's take retail. Retail has been talking about um, connecting the different channels of communication with the customer for years, right? You know, uh, mobile order, curbside, self-order, self-checkout, all these words have been um, uh, that, that have been there for 10 years, even if not if not 10, maybe five years. You know, for, for sure, omni-channel strategy has been something that retailers have been thinking about. But in the last year for, for retailers, these strategies just hit light speed. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened is all these ideas just accelerated and retailers that were able to accelerate them did really, really well. So um, as an example, curbside pickups. So those retailers who were able to do curbside pickups quickly, and a lot of that was about mobile handhelds, about their technology and how it quickly transitioned to provide on my phone a, a, a you know a place where I say I'm here at the store I'm, I'm parking lot 14 in a blue car and so that the product could be delivered to me companies who did that quickly were probably also companies who were thinking ahead on mobile architecture in general whether fixed or mobile devices and they did um, incredibly well through this period same thing with self checkouts uh, the fewer interactions between employees and customers uh, so self-checkout in retail took a real big um, uh, um, accelerator as well. I was talking to a couple of senior leaders at a major U.S. retailer, and what they said was their roadmap acceleration in terms of their targets was like 4X. Like they had a certain plan wow. of certain technology rollouts, and it was accelerated four times in terms of their metrics and hitting their targets on omni-channel type um, um, methods to connect with their customers. So retail, everything changed, and it was actually really good for Android and mobile architecture type things. You know, on the healthcare side, I noticed that uh, check-in kiosks uh, and the ability to de deploy check-in kiosks quickly, which mm -hmm. is um, an Android thing, but I'll speak a little bit more about healthcare. Healthcare hasn't been the fastest adopter of Android, frankly. And that's one of the things that, you know, when we get into that uh, discussion about what's working and not working in terms of which verticals, um but um you know obviously restaurants really suffered right but interestingly enough tomorrow's restaurants maybe not the last year's restaurant but tomorrow's restaurants in terms of how they go forward the ability to quickly switch between curbside doordash pickup doordash delivery all these different ways you know dine out dine in going from a 100% dine-in to 70% dine-takeout, uh, you have to be able to switch your restaurant model quickly to be able to... We now have suddenly five different channels for restaurants when there used to be one dominant one. So that flexibility, again, back to your technology investments and how they are leveraged across your apps and self-order, et cetera. Hopefully that was a longish but interesting answer about, about how Android helped, but I've seen so many different things happen this year.
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think Android powered devices, I saw it in the marketplace. And I, and I think you're hidden on it there, Niraj, in the sense that, you know, that small merchant, medium merchant world, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was an early adopter to the Android technology in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it and it exacerbated itself in a good way, I guess, during this pandemic. I mean, you could really see it like I, there was a local nursery that, uh, that I go that we go to to get flowers and stuff like that, that went before the pandemic hit It was kind of a little bit old school. You know, they, they started getting into it, but I was just there recently over the spring. They're doing curbside, but they have mobile devices now where they can they can just bring it out mm-hmm. and you can pay for it right then and there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the adaptation, the flexibility that Android brings and, and you know, I happen to know that the solution they had, it, it, it's there. It's right. there. And then also it, 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 we touched on this, I think, some at some points. When you think about the reliability, you know, that was a question around Android as well. But but since it really kind of cut its teeth on the small to medium sized businesses, Niraj, I don't think reliability is an I- issue with Android. Do you feel like there's an, a, a, an in- issue with Android out there? Uh, if the question is about hardware reliability, device reliability, mm. it still is a question. But mm. that's where the field of device available is so wide now. Yeah. Um, you can go with a consumer phone and you know that there is a certain life expectancy with that, right? Mm. You can go with certain other manufacturers. For example, Elo, um, we've got devices that are obviously made for business use. And so they are many, many years. Um, and frankly, um, Android devices kind of don't have hard drives and fans and these kinds of things. So inherently, if you're building it correctly, inherently the reliability, actually, there's a great promise of, of really good good reliability, low power consumption, no fans, no hard drives. Obviously, hard drives are now in across everywhere changing to uh, solid state. But in the um, even two, three years ago, most computers shipped with a spinning hard drive. And that was mm-hmm. a point of failure for reliability. Android typically doesn't have that, mm-hmm. right? So inherently, I think reliability is fine. It's even better. Uh, but you have to, as a, as, a, as a solution provider, you have to think about price, reliability, reputation of manufacturers and then choose the right one uh, depending upon what the uh, what the customer's goal is Yo, I, I hope that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, I think the OS is reliable. It, it's pretty rock solid in the marketplace today. And you're, you're hitting the nail on the head in the sense that, yeah, uh, solution providers, if you're not going in there with purpose-built built devices like the Elo M50 or something like that, then I think they already know that that's right. a part of their play. Right. You know, yeah, they've, yeah. they've got the argument against the consumer phone. Right. It's an easy you story know. to tell. Well, yeah. at this point, I think it is because, yeah. you know, maybe there was some of that early adaptation with Android and consumer devices, you you know, even in the small to medium sized business yeah. space, no doubt about it. But I think they're starting to understand the value of a purpose built device that right. is ruggedized, that is made for that type of environment. Well, and I yeah. know one big aspect of that, too, and this is where Android also excels, is remote management and the idea of yes. being able to easily push out updates and mm-hmm. new software, security patches or whatever to all the devices within your enterprise quickly. Mm-hmm. You have consumer devices in people's hands that gets so much harder to do. Especially again, you know, if they, if if they're not Android, that even it gets a little bit more complex. Where you're leaving it up to individuals to make those updates and changes, and you might have some maybe some vulnerabilities that that occur because of that. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, well, Nareg, let's you know, you hinted a little bit earlier about this idea that you know some you know maybe some businesses that were able to make the shift last year very quickly were ones that had probably already started embracing that mobile architecture. But you also mentioned that healthcare has been a little slow on the uptick with Android. Uh, so, you know, are there maybe dive a little bit more into healthcare and their slowness and why that's happening, as well yeah. as any other industries that you think have been kind of behind the eight ball a little bit on a, on, on Android so far? You know, uh, that's a really good question. And I think I'll, I'll broaden the question a little bit, if I may, to say mm-hmm. how are different verticals looking at Android um, as it relates to transition? Who is doing um, a little bit faster transitions, who's doing a, uh, a little bit slower than expected maybe? Because, you know, product guy, right? At some point you write a business plan and you say, adaptation of Android shall be, you know, and then you have the product and you kind of start observing the trends and you go, wait a second, I didn't expect this would happen. And it's actually just so cool. So I'll geek out on the product part of it a little bit, but um, retail, we talked about. I think retail retailers are really dividing themselves into two groups. Those who are really taking the strength forward and those who are kind of continuing on traditional architecture. And I see that both on the enterprise, the high end 
not high end, but large enterprises as well as on the SMB side, kind of see a bifurcation. I think I think um, the traditional um, architectures are actually absolutely fine. We have a we have a huge portfolio of of Intel and 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 our PC on crash driver kind of concepts, etc. But we are seeing a correlation with with adaptation on Android in retail is somehow correlated with how well they did in the pandemic. How are they adopting to the, uh, you know, what we used to call omni-channel, I think now we just call connected experience and those kinds mm. of things. So I mm. do see that in retail. In healthcare, kind of coming back to your point, I actually thought that healthcare would be a massive ad adopter in Android. And, and the reason I thought that way was because of two reasons. One, healthcare was e-enabling in a, in a big way and has mm. been for a while. So I thought, hey, doctors and healthcare providers are going to be carrying mobile devices. You know, maybe they'll just plug in the device and pop up whatever they had on their device to, to do um, patient consultation on a bigger screen. Um, they will have check-in kiosks and they'll walk up and people will be, patients will be able to check in, put in their insurance info uh, for their check-in for their appointment. There are all these use cases all over the place. But I think um, my observation has been that um, doctors um, ended up with kind of iPad and phone architecture a little bit, but the uh, ISVs, the software vendors have had such a strong uh, play and such a, um, such a large body of developed um, systems that that change over is just taking longer than what I personally had expected. Again, personal opinion, but mm. having said that, I think the check-in use cases and um, things where uh, process automation could result in better patient experience are indeed um, looking good. And I do feel that there are some areas such as kind of the outpatient and the, I don't know what the right word for it is. I'll just say, uh, you know, facilities that aren't like full-fledged hospitals, Th things like uh, outpatient services, uh, things mm -hmm. like senior homes, et cetera. Android is making a big inroads into kind of information entertainment kind of arena there. So, so we're seeing that um, quite a bit. I think over time this will accelerate. It just, it, it, I'm, 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 a, I'm a product guy, I'm impatient. Um, <laughs> in, in the same breath, I would mention, John, that one thing I didn't expect that will grow, that is actually growing, but, um, and that's industrial, the industrial market. Uh, we thought, hey, industrial market, big machines, production automation, these things are never going to go Android. This is not, this is not an industry that will change easily because it's so complex. You're trying to read pressures and temperatures, open and close valves uh, to automate a pro production line. This is going to take some time to get out of that idea of you know programmable logic controllers and all that world that has been the automation of the last say 40 years but interestingly what happened is this 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 thing called industry 4.0 which is all machines and all devices in factories uh, in warehouses production lines everywhere connected to the cloud and that created a really cool android uh, entree if you will and now we're seeing huge growth in industrial. We expect a lot more going forward uh, from the industrial vertical. I'm not happy to talk more about it, um, but I'll leave it at that for now. Hey, you know, we might bring you back because I've been wanting to talk a little bit more about Industry 4.0 at mm -hmm. some point. And, yep. and I feel like it's a topic we don't spend as much time on as we probably should be. Right. Might be it might be a cue for you for bringing back in the future there. <laughs> Did you have another thought you want to go Yeah, we've actually been spending a lot of time on Industry 4.0 recently, guys. And and uh, we've been studying the market, doing some deployments. So a lot to unpack there. It could be its own, own discussion. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe one area that, that you touched on there a little bit, Nuraj, is the, is the sense of automation of, of certain processes. And I, and I do think it, Android has an advantage here just due to the architecture, due to the ecosystem that's out there. Healthcare, to your point, and I would agree with you, I would have thought that healthcare would be ripe for the opportunity to do such things as RPAs and just you know automating certain portions of the, of the process of going through the healthcare mm -hmm. system. We all know the pain points of where the choke points are and how it takes a long time. And I got to do this again type of, type of a thing. Yeah. And, and and I'm with you. Maybe we'll get there. I think we'll get there. It's just taking a little slower than than perhaps we thought. But, yeah. but when you think about it, I do think Android does have that with the flexibility. Again, going back to that whole flexibility in the ecosystem has the ability to adopt 
to these small automation type projects very, very well. But, you know, that probably speaks to the overall crawl that healthcare takes in general. Yeah, right. I mean, obviously, yes, there's a, there's definitely a, an issue with them not adopting this way they should be. But I think you could say that about a lot of technology and a mm. lot of innovation that mm. healthcare is always crawling along. And, and mm. I know a lot of it has to do with where does the money going to come from? Right. Who's going to pay for it type stuff? Yeah. Uh, but hey, I hear this and I think of our, of our audience is like, this is opportunity. Yep. This is stuff that you can go and talk to your customers about. These are questions you can throw out there. These are things you can educate them on to help them understand why, hey, maybe you're not quite, you didn't think you're ready for this. You are ready mm-hmm. for this and we're going to help you get there. So, yep. well, then let's, let's kind of shift and talk about the security side of things because, you know, when we talk about security in the world of mobile and OS is... Yeah. I feel like Apple tends to always get that that notoriety as being secure. You yeah. know, like that's that's uh, their you can't big, crack it, right? That's yeah. their big thing. But Android's pretty damn secure as well. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's not any real issues there either. So how do we make sure that we're including that in the conversation when we're talking to folks about how how Android can benefit their business? How do we discuss the security side of things? Yeah, that's a super question. Actually, so the funny thing is, you know, Apple makes the hardware and the OS, right? So they get to make some claims that in the world of Android get complicated because they are dependent upon the hardware manufacturer. So you might you might say Android is absolutely as secure, but it depends upon manufacturers' behavior. And by, th- by that, I mean, how are the manufacturers actually deploying tools to secure the device uh, whether it's a public device or whether it's a uh, it's a corporate device or personal device, and then the commitment over multiple years behind uh, the release and the purchase of the device, how are the manufacturers supporting um, OS updates? So if you look at manufacturers of Android devices of repute, such as Elo, and there are other names, I'm sure your solution integrators know, then it's a non-issue. But you have to know a little more, right? There's a little more depth known. But the second part of this um, complexity or confusion around security is that, you know, confusion creates opportunity. I think security and other services around Android are a great way for our uh, channel partners to add value. There are services that can be packaged around maintaining the devices, maintaining security updates, et cetera, that can be revenue streams because they'll add real value to the end customers, end users, and they'll create some meaningful op- offerings uh, for our resellers. So there is a the, the security is is great if you buy from the right vendors, and security is an opportunity to help your customer add value. That's kind of the uh, the, the the two points I'd make about security. Yep, and they're good sense. ones. They're good ones to consider when you're mm-hmm. at the table and you're talking about the the length of the solution. Uh, we just did a webinar recently where we talked about that, you know, the security mm-hmm. and some of the questions that mm-hmm. you ask around that when you're building out your use case, and and that's definitely one of them. You know, it's interesting though. I was I was reading up on some of w- what uh, what Android operating systems are out there right now, and Pi Nine is still now. This is consumer ad- uh, devices as well. That was released in 2015. Still has 31% of the market share wow. out there. So, I mean, your point's really valid, though, there, Niraj, in the sense that when you're a business, you can't afford to have old operating systems that have that are poten- not vulnerable. Well, you know, have, may have security issues, certainly not up to date with the most recent security issues. So um, there's maybe a, there's definitely a conversation that you need to have with the end users around that and why it's so important to have a, a roadmap. If you're going to buy the hardware, you need to have a roadmap that it is staying secure and with the most up-to-date uh, operating system along the way. Yeah. There's a couple of statistics I found when I was digging into this um, that mentioned that about three-fourths of multinationals prefer Android. That was kind of that 77% mm, yeah. mark we noted earlier. And part of the reason they said is that there is 8% fewer phishing inc- incidents and 5% fewer issues with back-end integration, which I know this sound like small numbers, but when you're talking about multinational corporations, oh, man. Yeah. even you know 2% less of <laughs> Yeah. something or more of something can mean millions of dollars one way or another in a business. So I would think, you know, even cutting down 8% of phishing incidents and ensuring that there are fewer problems with integration on the back end is all going to be part of that security puzzle that makes things feel a little bit better, a little more secure, mm-hmm. and potentially saves a business a lot of money on the yep. back end. Good there. point. So, Good point. Well, Nareg, let's uh, let's let you talk a little bit about ELO and, uh, and, and what you guys are doing over there. You know, why is ELO, or how rather, has ELO found Android to be very beneficial in their product line? It se- seems like more and more of your products that are coming out are, you know, 
very focused on Android. I know the, the M50 was a recent release. Uh, you know, so tell us a little bit about how Android's helping you out at ELO. Sure, yeah. So the M50 is the fourth generation of ELO's Android product line. So we started in about 2014, 2015 uh, with our first Android products. And, um, you know, that was born out of the simple idea that glowing rectangles everywhere would be the way the future will look like because people would want to connect with businesses in various situations, whether in their home, online, and um, mobile environments with their phones or with displays. So we thought, hey, this is interesting because Android will deliver for a much lower cost, a customer experience that everyone is used to. Kind of the point I was making at the beginning of this. So we started down this path and then we realized that more and more um, enterprises were getting interested in this because of the reasons we discussed about um, commonality of brand experience and developer ecosystems and so on. And so now this has grown. So for SMB point of sale with all kinds of integrations, payment integration, printers, et cetera. So we've been investing a lot in getting all these integrations done on the base Android, which is you know again, made for a phone. It's not made to drive a printer or, or kick out a crash cash drawer, but we've done all that integration. So now we're on our fourth generation. So we're growing our selection of devices to uh, two different options um, at uh, kind of a value option and a performance option. So, you know, with, with growth in kind of the population of devices, we can invest in choice for our customers, right? We're going to sell a small number. You probably want the same spec and just have the factory make one spec. Uh, so that's, that's just growing the offerings. And the second thing we're working on is adding value-added services on top which I think will be super, again, super interesting for our resellers and integrators because they can take these services, whether it's just the basic ELOView management or additional services like security updates, um, we're working on some uh, facial recognition options, et cetera, and creating these service offerings that we will make available to our resellers and they can take them, take these kind of service offerings package them for a customer and that creates a, a revenue stream for them, frankly, because value added is uh, is going to create an opportunity of our integrators to get to extract uh, extract revenue for that value. So that's kind of the two things that we're working on as, as we go forward. But, you know, fourth generation. So we're now very sophisticated with what we do. The M50 is, is, is a great example of that uh, sophistication. And you're going to see a lot more products coming out uh, in the next couple next couple of months, actually. Uh, well, I like awesome. both of that you were talking about there, and and obviously you guys are smart guys over there and doing <laughs> doing the right things. But you know, sometimes you, there you go. Device footprint. I mean, we've read about how Android brings that to the table. When you think yeah. about the widest selection of devices available, when you when look, if you're a technology integrator, you you right, you want to have as many options as you possibly can because when you walk into a customer, every customer is different. We know that every solution is going to be a little bit different. So Android is definitely offering that. But I want to I want to a little bit farther near edge into where you were going with your value-added services because man do i love that and of course we have a lot of resellers that are looking for you know when you think about the traditional reseller not a lot of them are msps that come out of the it world that are used to doing managed services and stuff like that we still have a, an abundance of resellers out there that are just project-based you know they go in they yeah. put in a project they move on to the next project but when you look at something like Elo View and, and its ability to, to help a reseller get into the world of managed services, I, I love that. I mean, it, in the fact that, but you, you can do it in so many different ways. I mean, you can do content delivery services. You can do device management, as we just talked about. Yes, you can manage the OS with them. You can do remote provisioning. There's so many things that you can offer now once you start getting into that value-added services that uh, it, it's really key for resellers so talk to us a little bit more in your edge about that or or what what kind of adaptation are you seeing from resellers there do you have any like good news cases where you know you kind of approach the reseller and now they're starting to get even more business based on what what you guys are building into your uh, solution there so uh, that's a great question we do have some resellers who have kind of taken that step of sophistication yeah so you know 
for those who don't know, EloView is a management platform for Elo Android devices. So it's super simple. You log in, you add the device by serial number, and then you're able to manage the device security settings, content, as well as uh, kind of the device settings. So you can turn the devices off and on at a certain schedule. You can set apps to download to the device. And the idea of EloView came from the fact that business devices are typically not managed by the user of the device. So your phone, you manage it, you use it. But the cash register, the kiosk, they're used by employees or by customers, but they're managed by somebody else. So we needed to take the settings page, if you will, of the device and turn it back around to the cloud so that it could be accessed. And that's what EloView does. What some of our resellers are doing is, and you know, EloView is a per device, really small fee per month. Mm -hmm. What some of our resellers have done is they acquire subscriptions from Elo for EloView, this kind of small dollar, but using that as a enabler, they are able to create a managed services contract with their customers that says, we'll take care of this network of devices for you. So they become the network managers um, and the customer gets the benefit of having remote managed network so that that stays more reliable because something goes on, something goes wrong, the reseller might even detect it before the customer did and fix it remotely. And if they were able to fix it remotely, the cost of your managed services goes down, right? Because mm -hmm. if you have fewer roles uh, to get to the location, swap out, fix things, um, if you save half of them by doing um, remote management, um, you're going to be able to create a really lucrative offering for the customer and um, on the back of a technology like EloView. So that's, the, that's just the base technology. Some resellers are taking kind of this view that, hey, I have the EloView and I will sell it to the end user. And certainly those cases exist. Um, and that's fine. I mean, that's a subscription sale through the channel. We work through it and it, it's fine. But I think the larger opportunity is to take the technology, create a managed services offering, and because that can be, very lucrative. I, we have several examples of, in fact, uh, your uh, resellers who are doing that mm -hmm. with very large name brand grocery stores, etc. And um, uh, they can even give end customers specialized access. So the reseller could hold the account, the keys to the account, and then end customer IT folks can have access to it so that they can log in, get the reports, etc. from EloView, and it's all kind of managed under the banner of the reseller. So hopefully that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, nothing better than co-managing with 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 your partner hey. there. Look, it opens up opportunities. It's a great way to start dipping your toe in that whole area of managed services. Um, it's a win-win for both. Yeah. The end user wins. The reseller wins. There's more stickiness. I mean, come on. It's yep. good. Once good again, stuff. it's all about opportunity, and that's what we're we're big fans of. Bingo. Here, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I hate to move on because this has been a great conversation. We could definitely bring Near Edge back anytime to dive further into some of these topics. I oh, think. yes. But we do want to get to our recurring segments. Uh, before we do that, as always, I want to thank our founding members and our sponsors here on the Tech Connect podcast, of which Elo is one. We thank you yes. for your support on the show. And hey, Welcome. this is our 50th episode. Five zero. We've made it to fifty episodes. Is that's it gold? What are we? That's the golden anniversary. Golden or anniversary. Yeah, we need to get like gold plated <laughs> microphones or something. Marco, you know? can you work on gold plated yeah. microphones? He'll just he'll just use your credit card to do it. Oh, that's so, true. Yeah. Yeah, like, good point. Can I can I have one too? By the way, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> you know. You know. Coincidentally, this is Elo's fiftieth year. Oh, Elo well, there was you go. Since nineteen nineteen seventy one. We planned that, and uh, <laughs> we are celebrating our fiftieth anniversary. Congratulations! That's awesome. Sounds Thank like you. some, so sounds like some marketing synergy. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, if you want to reach out to us, first of all, after if you've been watching and listening to this episode for 50 episodes, I would assume by now you have an opinion about us. Yes. And if you've been sticking around, I'm assuming it's a good opinion. Yeah. Well, guess what? We want to hear from you. So if, you, if you're an Apple right. podcast listener, I know that's where the bulk of our audio listeners come from. Please give us a five-star rating review, uh, or five-star rating at least on Apple Podcasts. 
Please leave us a review if there you can you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might even read some of those on air. Tell us what you've enjoyed. Tell us what your favorite of the 50 episodes so far has been. We'd love to hear yeah. that kind of stuff from you. Uh, you can also, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe, leave us a comment if you'd like. Uh, and, and if you want to reach out to us, if you have some opinions about the show, some questions, or maybe some suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover, you can find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, well, let's wrap up, as always, with our favorite segments. Uh, Value to the VAR is the first one here. This is where we kind of try to distill our conversation down yep. to a takeaway for our VAR audience. I feel like a lot of this conversation has been about opportunity and, and places we can go. But, yes. Nureg, I want you to maybe point out, what are some specific opportunities that you're seeing in the market where Android's going to help enable like the next-level tech and innovations and trends that are happening? Yeah, so these are these are great. This is a great question. So I would I would say that in this as the restaurant start to open up i think we're going to see a wave of investments there i think uh software vendors and software vendor reseller combos that i'm seeing um i think they are going to see an, a lot of opportunity in specific segments um in in, in smb uh, in, in the smb restaurant space i think that's a great uh um way forward I think I mentioned earlier, um, the industry 4.0 trend is going to, in fact, several of our resellers are telling us that they look at industrial as the biggest growth market for, uh, for going forward in the future. So we're really interested in how large companies that are adopting industry 4.0, how does that trickle down to smaller kind of industrial organizations and warehouses and so on? I think that's a great opportunity for our resellers. And the third thing I would mention is right now, um, people are, I think, more and more interested in buying platforms and solutions and thinking less and less about single point. Used to be that I want a gift registry. And that was a project that was completely disconnected from the time clocks that I wanted for my employees and the price checkers. And um, we're seeing across multiple retailers that they are aligning around a specific platform and then different use cases are just different windows right android enables us there but it's not necessarily the only one so i think resellers it would be good for our reseller community and uh, solution integrator community to think about how the overall technology strategy is evolving rather than just one use case one project Agree. That makes sense. Yes, I totally agree with you. When you think about it, I mean, we've talked about the flexibility of Android that that, that brings to the table. And mm-hmm. so when you when you compound the opportunities that are coming out of this pandemic, and I agree with you, Nuraj, in the sense that we know there's money out there. There's money coming from Fed. There's, there's money. There's going to be opportunity out there to bake in some new solutions. And I think the optics maybe have changed a little bit. You know, it's not a, a, a single solution. They're maybe looking a little bit more holistically. If they're going to implement a new system, then why don't we look at the holistic type of thing, the flexibility that Android brings. If you're not into it already, if you're not tapping into that ecosystem, you need to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. I, I have really nothing else to add except to just say, hey, if you're looking for some help, folks like Nureg at yes. Hilo, uh, Blue Star, we're happy to help you out there. We will make this happen. There is opportunity. It's time to go for it. There so. you go. Yep. All right, well, hey, let's wrap up with our favorite question each week. What's tech connecting with you? This uh-huh. is where we talk about maybe what's happening in the world of tech, science, innovation, something that's caught our eyes, something we're playing with or using. Uh, <laughs> Raj, I'll start with you. What's tech connecting with you right now? All right, that was an, actually an insightful question uh, when you guys uh, mentioned it to me. And, you know, I, I spent some time thinking about it. Uh, it's AI. For me, mm-hmm. I think AI just represents, for the next 10 years, such a big opportunity but such a big kind of scary um, threat in, in a way. So, mm-hmm. so technologies, it's almost like the steam engine now because you could, you could really go crazy with what that represented. Um, was it 19, 1868 or something, whenever they built the steam engine? Because what do people want in this clutter of information? I want now, I want to get out of these six devices that are around me to a, um, a world where everything is connected, everything is really relevant to me. Um, because right now, information is being very, very cluttered. 
I think everyone is seeing um, actual, you know, impacts of that, you know, weighing down on our 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 our, our, our uh, mental health, etc. I think AI can really organize the world and the world's information for us because there is just too much right now. But on the other hand, I think there are some serious issues with trust and safety and privacy and so on. So, you know, back to where there is issues and confusion and concerns, there is opportunity. <laughs> I think over the next 10 years, you're gonna see a lot of innovation there. You're gonna see people like, even, even people like Elo, the devices and software people start to kind of think about how does that affect us? And you will see over years, I'm not saying this is an impending launch or anything like that, um, strategies that harness the power of AI into environments that we are typically seeing. So that is super exciting to me right now. Awesome. That is cool. And we've talked about AI. You know, there is that dark side of AI, but I've been I've been maybe backing myself off the cliff a little bit in the sense that AI it's has not all so, the robot apocalypse. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it has so much potential in helping humanity out, right. especially with a lot of the mundane things that, that you see in a working environment, yep. labor environment, and maybe freeing up you know, us as a population to love or be you know, be a little bit more emotional and stuff like that. Be more human. I'll, right, I'll go right. there. There you go. Uh, the, rather than just being toiling away. Uh, so maybe maybe there's some hope out there. AI is interesting to everybody, I yeah. think. I, lo I, lo I do like that hopeful angle. Although, I was listening to another one. AI has been around since, like, I don't know, uh, 2019 or no i'm sorry uh, 1995 or so right, so yeah. right. i mean it's been around for a long a lot longer than i had imagined i yeah. thought it was just like within the last five years oh no yeah. it's been around for decades around, anyway yeah. yeah all right well I, dean what's i got, I got a headline for you here that just it grabbed me and i'm like no really oh, no. all right brazil and international scientists have rejected Russia's Sputnik V COVID-19 vaccine because lack of, lack of transparency around the clinical data. Okay, so that's, you know, Russia, right? Lack of that. But here, right. listen to this one. And alleging the vaccine carries a live version of a virus that can cause the common cold. Ugh. So <laughs> you've got Russia. Oh, we've got a COVID vaccine. You can have Brazil. And Brazil's like, no, there's no data around this. And oh, by the way, we looked at it and it's got a cold virus. <laughs> so really, you're up with so that? Right. You don't want to get a, the COVID vaccine because you're afraid it might give you the cold. <laughs> Well, Which on the scale of things to be worried about are two very different. All I'm saying is what, what grabbed me about is like, why would that even be in that? Now, I read a little bit more and it gets into the whole adenovirus and, and, and right, there's the right. way that they manufactured it. But but the fact of the matter is, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I trust me, I understand being hesitant about what Russia's doing here. They've been not very transparent about any of exactly. this. Completely understand. But also Brazil's one of the biggest hotspots right, well, in the right. world, too. Yeah. And yeah. It's one of those things where, like, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe you, you know, you take a chance on this one. You know, so you know you're going to get the cold, but you won't get. I, I know that's that's interesting. <laughs> just yeah. why are they doing? Why is that even a thing? I don't, I, I don't know. know. Anyway, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I read that headline. I'm like, what? Really? Seriously? The Russians doing? What are they doing? Anyway, yeah, go ahead. What's that connecting with you? So uh, this is one of my little bit of tech beef, sort Ooh, of in a tech way. Beef, yes. Uh, Remember we had Gene Halsey on a few, maybe about a month or so back, and we're yeah. talking about how tech shapes society. And he referenced this idea of sometimes corporations that want to push a type of technology onto people that they're not necessarily really ready for or mm -hmm. actually really interested in. Mm -hmm. But just because it's cool and new and we can do it, we're going to shove it out there and right. push it down people's throats and try to make them adopt it. His example was 3D television. Right. When there was the big boom in 3D in theaters. Everybody had to and, have it. Which was mostly just because of one film, Avatar. <laughs> And then suddenly everybody thought all 3D had to be the big thing. It was a big deal for a few years, and now no one cares about it because anymore. Because Jaws 3D was a flop. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> that was like 40 years ago, yeah. So, you know, so we, we put those TVs out. No one really wanted them. No one yep. cared. It was just not an experience that was useful to, to users, and there was not the demand was not there for it. Right. I have another one that I feel like may be heading that same route. All right. Maybe this is just me. But foldable phones. Oh, yeah, okay. And this is mm -hmm. timely because, you know, that's only something that's happening with Android makers right now for the most yeah, part. for the most but part, this right. This idea of, like, these phones that, like, you can fold up, like, you <laughs> fold it out and it's, like, almost like the size of an iPad or something or, you know, make it a little bit bigger than it is before, fold it up something more compact to fit in your pocket a little better. I don't understand the point of this. 
I don't understand who's asking for this. It's not something <laughs> I find particularly practical or useful. It seems like more one of those just just to say because you've we got can it. do it because right. we can look oh, look how cool this is. We right. can fold the screen. Yeah, but do I really need that? Exactly, and yeah. and you know, and I can see applications for this type of technology somewhere in the future that makes sense, like some sort of digital or you know interactive paper of some sort. Right. You yeah. know, like say you're yeah, a, yeah, 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 an yeah. architect or something, and you want to go show some plans somewhere. So you fold it up, and you can right. you can have something that's folded up in your backpack and your pocket, mm -hmm. open it up, spread it out, pull up some images, be able to manipulate and do things on the fly. I feel like there's some future technology around this that this might lead to that's mm -hmm. going to be useful. Mm -hmm. But as a as a consumer and as just someone who wants a phone, I don't understand the purpose of it being foldable. Just, there you go. Well, and we got really a product guy, Near Edge. So Near yeah. Edge, don't do foldable. We don't need foldable <laughs> on your M M50 right now. I don't see somehow. I don't see that. And and if this happens, and I'll, I'll I'll promise I'll take it back. <laughs> I don't see Elo putting out like the foldable touchscreen display anytime soon. But you know. Well, you know, I've I've, I've lived through the flip phone. Um, right. Was it the 2003? The flip yeah. phone was really cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! And then it wasn't, right? <laughs> exactly. And the foldable phones are kind of reminding me of the flip phones. And yeah. um, but no, it's interesting, right? It could just be a step in technology because companies and the world needs to step through things yeah, because true. the right. paper that you wanted to crumple up and write on and make maybe a a paper dart from, um, maybe to get to that. We need the foldable phone. Foldable phone, yeah. So, yeah. so I was thinking about. It. I think it's going to end up being a little bit thicker than I would want to carry in my pocket. Right now, mm -hmm. I have an iPad, iPad, and an iPhone, and I carry both of them when I travel, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, because one's for one thing, the other one's for another thing. Maybe there is something there, but right now it doesn't feel like it's thin enough. Yeah. Um, so you may be right, uh, John. But I we'll see. It's for well, sure, it's a step. Can you right. can you do sure. origami with this foldable phone? Not yet. At Maybe least. that would be useful. You know, to create a little whatever. Useful, but worth spending like a grand on. <laughs> I mean, come on. I think we're done here. Yeah. yeah we are. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that is what's tech connecting or not tech connecting with us this week. Uh, unfortunately, it is time for us to unplug Niridge Pensei from Elo. Thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate your insight today. Thanks, Niridge. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. And be back anytime. You awesome. Can. Definitely glad to hear it. Well, for Dean Reverman, I'm John Martin. Until next time, folks, stay connected. Elo is bringing decades of touchscreen experience to the palm of your hand. Introducing the M50 handheld mobile computer, an enterprise-grade Android device built for efficiency and connectivity. With a 5.5-inch HD touch display, integrated 2D barcode scanner, Android 10 OS, and a rugged design for commercial use, the M50 is ready to seamlessly integrate via EloView or the MDM of your choice. Long battery life, quick charge, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or 4G communications, and plenty of accessories make the M50 a bold new choice for enterprises like warehousing, retail, healthcare, delivery, and more. To learn more, check out the link in the show notes or contact Blue Star's Elo team.